Second scripture reading today comes from the gospel according to Matthew from the 24th chapter. Listen now for God's word to us all. But about that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. For as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away. So too will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two will be in the field, one will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together, one will be taken and one will be left. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have left his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be God. to God. Amen. Friends, let us pray. Holy One, you are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end and the beyond. And yet you come to us in an infinite, from infinite power into a finite world. God, speak through human words. Move through us. Shape us into who you dream of us being. We ask all of these things in Christ's name, who is our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Everything has changed. With these three words, the godly play lesson for the first Sunday of Advent begins. Everything has changed. When we tell stories to our children in the godly playroom, we memorize the stories. That way we can be fully engrossed in the story we tell. And when you say everything is changed, there is a lot to draw into. This story and its message, it has been in my bones these last few weeks. It's the lens that I come to our text this morning. So I'm going to invite you to do something that might be new for you. There is that inner child in all of us. And so let us invite that child into the godly playroom here in this space. One of us would be sitting at the door and we would greet you by name. We would say that we are glad to see you and be with you. And then we would ask, are you ready to come into our story today? And if you're not ready, that's fine. We'll wait with you here until you are. The story is for you. When we're ready, we're invited to take a mat and join the circle. So friends, let us settle in for this morning's story. Everything has changed. Now is the time of the color purple. Purple is a serious color, and something serious is about to happen. 
Purple is the color of royalty. And in those days, only royal people could wear purple. Greek citizens could wear a little stripe in their clothes, but that was it. Purple is a serious color and the color of royalty. And it is the color of Advent because something serious is happening. A king is coming. But this king isn't like other royalty. He doesn't have a great army. He doesn't come from a great house. In fact, he comes from peasant parents. And his first bed is a manger because his family doesn't have any room in the guest room for them. Purple is a serious color and something important is happening now. We light this candle this week, the first Sunday of Advent, and this, this is the light of the prophets. Let us enjoy its light. Prophets are people who know what is most important. They are people who draw close to God, and God draws close to them, and they point the way. They point the way through words and poetry and music. They share with us God's promises, and they pointed to Bethlehem. They knew that something was going to happen there, something important and serious, and they knew it was going to involve a baby and that it was going to be surprising, and they knew that it would usher in peace. But there was a lot that they didn't know. Friends, when we come to a great mystery like Advent, we can prepare ourselves to enter a mystery. And we are in one right now. Mysteries are hard to enter into, though, because we can rush past them. Some of you have lists of things to do that I cannot even imagine. There is so much to do, and there is shopping, and there are sparkly things, and lawns to decorate, and trees to drag into your house. There is so much to do. And so the church set aside for weeks long ago to help us to prepare to enter a mystery. This is the light of the prophets. And they are with us on a journey, a journey to Bethlehem. These stories from Godly Play take us to a different place. You can feel it in this room, can't you? There's something about hope and saying everything is changed in a world where that doesn't feel like it most days. Isaiah knew that feeling. He knew what it was to feel vulnerable and to see invasion after invasion, attack after attack. He mentions Zion being lifted up. 
Zion, Jerusalem, this holy place, the center of the Hebrew people's world, where God has decided to rest and be found, it's very vulnerable. It's not the tallest mountain. In fact, it is surrounded by hills all around it. And if you are attacking, it is easy to rain down destruction upon it. Zion is vulnerable, and Isaiah looks at it and says, it will be lifted up to the highest of mountains, but not to rain down destruction on all others. No. His vision, his promise is that people will stream to this place, and they will sit down, and God will arbitrate between them, and peace and justice will break out. They'll take guns and turn them into gardening tools. Amen. They'll take what they have learned of war and put it away and learn it no more. This story and that hope and that promise has been on my mind this week. Our children in the godly playroom are learning right now about how prophets can be anyone. Prophets can be of any gender or race or ethnicity. In fact, we tell them, you may be sitting next to a prophet right now. Prophets can be anyone. And as I have been reading this text and preparing this story I've been thinking of a prophet in our world. You may have heard of him this week. His name is Richard M. Fierro. For a long time after coming home from 15 years of active military service, Richard was put on edge in crowds. He couldn't help to be vigilant after what he experienced in wars. In restaurants, he always sat with his back against the wall facing the door. No matter how much he tried to relax, part of him was always ready for an attack to come at him. He said it's like an itch that could not be scratched. He was distrustful, quick to anger. It had been hard on his wife and his daughter. There was medication and there were sessions with a psychologist. And then one day he realized that he had to get rid of all of the guns in his house. Someone who had lived around them his entire life, who knew how to treat them with respect, realized that he was not someone who should have them. And then he decided after that serious step to do something fun. And he grew his hair out long and he grew this white goatee to look as distant from his days in uniform as possible. He even let himself put on a few or 15 or more pounds. He and his wife run a successful brewery called Atrevida Beer Company. And he had a warm relationship with his daughter and her longtime boyfriend. He had come to accept that war would always be with him, but that there were other ways of embracing life. And a week ago, it was supposed to be a relaxed family night out. Him and his wife, Jess, 
joined with their daughter Cassandra and her longtime boyfriend Raymond Green Vance, along with two family friends to watch one of his daughters perform at a drag act. And it was Mr. Fierro's first time at a show like this, and he was loving it. As a vet, he relishes his role as a civilian and as a father now, and watching one of his daughter's old high school friends perform, he thought to himself, these kids want to live this way, and they want to have a good time, and I want them to have at it, because this is what I fought for, so that they can do whatever the something they want. He's a very colorful character. And he was at a table in Club Q last week with his wife and daughter and friends watching the show, and suddenly there was that familiar flash of gunfire. There was this moment where he found himself after four combat deployments in Iraq and Afghanistan instantly kicking back into a familiar place in his mind. Fight back, he told himself. Protect your people. And those instincts of a platoon leader surged back in his life. He raced across the room. He grabbed the gunman by a handle on the back of his body armor, and he pulled him to the floor, and he jumped on top. He said, I don't know how I got the weapon away. I have no idea. I'm just a dude. I'm a fat old vet. But I knew I had to do something. He talks about his girl, his little girl screaming, and he was crying with her. He subdued the gunman. He saved multiple lives. He got other people involved to help him. He told one person who was in incredible drag with the tallest of high heel boots to use them against their attacker. But then they couldn't find her son, her daughter's boyfriend. They learned that he had been killed. And as his little girl was screaming and crying, he drove her and said to her, look, I've gone through this before. Downrange, when this happens, when you are in war, you just go out on the next patrol. You need to get it out of your mind to take care of the people around you. That's how I cured it, because eventually you know you're going to get to go home where it's safe. But in being interviewed, he shared, I worry there is no next patrol. There's no safe. This is harder to cure because you're already home. Friends, we live in a time where it feels like there is no longer home. Houses of worship, our work, our school, uh, the store, a concert. These are all places we find ourselves on alert. And I'm tired of this. So many of us, because of who we are, feel targeted by forces of hate. And all of us are vulnerable in ways that we don't have to be. It doesn't have to be this way. But I hear the words of Isaiah, and I have hope, because there are prophets, and there may even be a prophet sitting 
next to you. There are prophets who are veterans who are saying there are some of us who need to say we are giving up these weapons. There are people who are saying our neighbors, our families are pretty smart. We know when someone is at risk and we should have a way of keeping them from having deadly weapons. There is hope and there are prophets. Our children are hearing that the prophets know what is most important in life and they pay attention to it. They were waiting for a king and they were waiting for this king to return. We journey with the prophets in this place, in this time. This is the light of the prophets. May it illuminate the prophets in our midst. And may we look to where they point. Friends, let us enjoy the light. Amen.